Amen. Thank you, Mike. I got to admit, when you gave the illustration of the needle in the arm, <laughs> some of us get really queasy when we go do that stuff. <laughs> I'm still shaking it off. <laughs> okay. Wow. <clears throat> I'm titled my message today, Foundations in Parenting. And I'm so glad that you're here today. I want to ask some questions before we get started just to see who's who, who we're talking to here. And let's go online first. Is If you're a parent and you're watching online, type in the chat if you have that ability that, yes, I'm a parent, and put how many kids you have. If you're a parent here, just raise your hand. Let's see how many parents we have. All right. Pretty good. That's a good percentage of us. How many of you have children that are two or younger? Two years old or younger. Okay. How many of you have children between two to five? Okay. That's my favorite age, by the way. I love the kindergartner, the five-year-olds. Um, how many have children that are elementary age? Would be, you know, up till about middle school. All right. How many of you have middle school age children? How many of you have teenagers, high school? Okay. Some of you are just keeping your hands up for the whole thing. <laughs> I see you. I know. <laughs> That's great. I'm so glad that you're here. And uh, even if you're not a parent, you may be a grandparent. How many grandparents do we have? Oh, look at this. Okay. I just found the medium age of the group here. <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. Um, I'm glad you're here, though, because even if you're not a parent or a grandparent, you're going to get something out of this message because... These principles I want to share, these foundations, um, not only are good for parenting, but they're good for our lives. So I want to do that. I want to share a lot of experience just from my own life, my my family, and what we went through. And I'm nowhere an expert or anything, but I just remember coming out of that hospital, and we had our first child at Munson, and uh, I had the uh, police inspected, the police improved uh um, a car seat, you know, that I brought in there, and I didn't. The first time I'm ever using it, I put my little baby boy in that, and and they wheeled my wife out in a wheelchair to the door, I and mean, she could walk, but they had a wheelchair for her, and they told me go get the car. I'm like okay, so I left her with the baby, and I went and got the car and pulled up, and they loaded her in the car, and then I got the baby boy in the car seat, and put him in the back, and. I don't know if you felt this, but I felt, I wish I had an armored tank to drive my baby boy home because I, I didn't want anything to happen to him. And I had never had that feeling before. <clears throat> Just a couple things. I remember him growing up and, and her, we have, we have a, a boy and a girl now. They're both in college. And, um, I remember, um, having to slow down sometimes. So we'd be in a hurry. And he'd get out of his car seat, and he'd be a little toddler. And as soon as he got out, he would bend down and start playing with the ants on the ground. And we were going to an event, and I remember at one one day it just hit me like, just stop. I don't have to yank him and pull him and prod him. He can just explore this brand new world. And and I entered into it with him. And, and there were moments like that as my kids grew up that I thought, you know, I can experience what they're experiencing. They don't have to always do what I'm doing at the same pace at the same time. I would also add being there is so important. Father, mother, 
being there. There's so many firsts that you want to experience. Their first words, the first step they take, the first tooth falling out, the first tooth coming in. You know, there's just so many things that, that you're going to miss out on. And it's really a partnership. It, it takes two to, to raise kids. And, and let me just say, because you won't hear this on television, that the proper sequence, biblically, is to date somebody that potentially you think would be a good mate, but also a good parent. And we don't think about that. We fall in love, and we got goo-goo eyes, and our hearts beat fast and everything. And like, oh, the world is wonderful and beautiful. But that person will be your mate. That person will be your, you're going to parent with that person if you have kids. So date the person, marry the person, and then have children with that person. And then together you want to raise those children up in a Christian family with a church family surrounding you. Ideally, that's the biblical way to do it. And maybe you aren't a parent today, but you may become a parent one day. I remember being a teenager and thinking, oh, I'm never going to be there. That's not going to be me. And then the next thing I know, I'm married. And you're married. And you're thinking, oh, I'm not going to be a parent, never be a parent. We never even used birth control. We just like, bang. We had our first child, uh, I think within a year, maybe 14 months of being married. It didn't take very long, but before you know it, you're there. So... We homeschooled. My wife and I homeschooled, and we selected a parental mission statement, and it's from Deuteronomy 11, verses 18 and 19. And this is what it says. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. These words were written in Deuteronomy, probably by Moses, and God was exhorting Moses, hey, these kids didn't go through Egypt with you. They didn't see the wonders, the miraculous signs that I did amongst the people. They didn't see the parting of the Red Sea. And you wandered in the desert for 40 years, and this is all they know. But teach them now the principles. Teach them about me. Teach them uh, faith. Uh, teach them. And so we use this as our parental mission statement for our school. And we, we looked it up. And there's a, a translation from the Hebrew Bible to the, uh, to the Greek. It's called the Septuagint. And the translation, the word in the Septuagint is pronounced uh, chi. And it's, it's translated when you or as you. Uh, it's transliterated key. So we use the word key. And when you wake up, when you go to bed, when you're on the road, when you sit at home, all of these things teach your children as you go. So we called our school the key school. That's the name that we came up with. And we wanted to take opportunities throughout the day, throughout their lives, to teach them faith, to teach them the Bible, to teach them about God, to teach them about Jesus, to teach them about church. And and you can do that as well. You don't have to be a homeschooler. In fact, did I ask how many homeschoolers do we have? Any home? Yeah, we got quite a few. Okay. You don't have to be a homeschooler. If you're a parent, you want to teach your children as you go, every opportunity you get. So we had some opportunities 
I remember um, we used to drive from Kalkaska to Traverse City, and my wife had a thing with the kids and said, as we rounded the bay there at Traverse City, she'd say, good morning, bay, and the kids would echo, good morning, bay, and, and we would just do that every single time we went by there. One morning, um, the bay was fogged over. You know, the temperature was such that the fog had risen over the bay. You couldn't see the bay. It's like it wasn't there. It disappeared. And, and, the, and my wife, Anita, said, good morning, bay. And my daughter, I remember, said, mama, there's no bay. I can't see the bay. And Anita took that opportunity, and she said, you know, it's kind of like God. can't see God, but do you know the bay's there? Yes, we, I know the bay's still there. God's still there. Even though you don't see him, God is still there. He's with us. He's always with us, just like this bay. Remember another time we were teaching on um, prayer and uh, money, and we would occasionally go to a garage sale uh, over in Traverse City, and uh, it was funny because we'd make a list of things that we want, and we'd almost challenge each other. Could could we find that at a garage sale? And inevitably it seemed like we'd find anything we wanted over at a Traverse City garage sale. But uh, unbeknownst to us, our son was praying, and um, he had prayed for a uh, wheel, one of those wheels for the PlayStation 2 so he could drive his car. He had a video game, a driving game, but he had to use the remote thing. So he prayed that he would find one of those wheels. And my wife and I said, you know, we've never seen one of those at a garage sale. It's like, meh. What's going to happen here? We don't want him to be disappointed. He sees God. He's praying for it and everything. So that morning we went out to the garage sales. And ironically, not only did we find one of the wheels that he wanted and prayed for, but we found two that same morning. So we were like, okay, God, well, I guess, you know, can't outdo God. I remember another time, short story, our daughter, she was young, like in that kindergarten age five six or so she went into the bathroom and uh, she was in there for a long time and it was quiet and if you're a parent you know it's quiet and you can't see your kids but it's quiet you better go check on them because something might be up it should be there should be a little bit of noise once in a while but our daughter was in there and it was quiet so my wife knocked on the door and said honey are you okay and she said yeah I'm okay so she waited and she didn't come out didn't make any noise so she went, are you okay in there? What's going on? She says, I'm okay, Mama. She says, well, can I come in? Are you okay? Let me see. She said, you can't come in. <laughs> My wife said, why not? She goes, because you'll, you'll mess it up. She says, what, what are you talking about? And so finally she opened the door and walked into my daughter. My daughter was praying. And my wife says, what are you doing? She goes, well, the Bible says that when I pray, I should go in my door, go in, in the closet and lock the door, shut the door so I can pray to my father who sees what's done in private. So she was in there praying. <clears throat> we want to teach our children to be obedient. Not, not just obey, you know, obey your parents, that's, that's what we want. But we want to teach our children to be obedient human beings. Why? Proverbs 29.17 says that we discipline our children to, to make them obedient, and they will give you peace. And who doesn't want peace? They, your children, will bring you delights, the, desi- the delights you desire. <clears throat> Proverbs 13.24 says... Whoever spares the rod hates their children, 
But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. We want to teach our children to be obedient, not just to us, but to be obedient children, to be obedient people as they grow up. They want we want them to obey the law. We want them to obey traffic signs. We want them to obey in a classroom. We want them to obey, and maybe I could use a synonym, listen. We want them to listen to the people in authority, to judges, to coaches, to teachers. We want them to have that character. And so this is how we do this, is, is um, we discipline them in a way that's going to mold their character that makes them obedient young people and young adults and ultimately uh, parents themselves. We discipline them because we love them. And the Bible says rod, and that could be, you know, that could be a figure of speech for any kind of caring discipline. And I know today people uh, have great opinions on spanking. Um, I was spanked when I was a young person, and I remember one time. And I don't know that I was spanked much more. If you ask my mom, she would say, oh, he was a good boy. I didn't need to spank him. Yeah, I laugh, right? <laughs> Probably not true. But I remember one morning that I had a uh, vacuum hose. And I'm sure I was singing with some religious music on the television. But the TV was on. And I was making noise into that hose thing. And the vacuum hose, because that sounded really cool. And my mom came out and said, Tim, your dad is sleeping. And she came out again, I remember. She said, Tim, be quiet. Your dad is sleeping. I went on. And the next thing I knew, it was like lightning struck. And I felt something on my backside that I remember to this day. It was a shock to the system. And it wasn't a rod, but it was a yardstick. And I looked down, and it was broken in two pieces. And there's my father, and I became an obedient young man. And I know that he didn't have to do that more than once, and if he, they spanked me, it was minor. Uh, but we spanked, and again, when we spanked, the children were very young. They were at an age where they understood what was going on, over two probably, or I don't know, right in there somewhere. And then when they got to such an age... You know, where spanking isn't effective, you stop. So it's not like you they, you grow up as a, as a parent, you're spanking them all the time. There's a short window there, and and there's times to do that and and to use it appropriately. And if, if you're not in that camp, that's okay. That's not a problem. I'm just saying it worked for me, it worked for us. Proverbs 22:15 says, "Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away." Drive folly away. Folly could be a synonym for foolishness or rebellion. We all grow up with this. You know, you felt it as you were young. You're like, ah, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do the go over here and do this. You know, that that can be controlled. That can be controlled. I like what the, the message says um, from the same verse. Young people are prone to foolishness and fads. The cure comes through tough-minded discipline. Tough-minded discipline. So those are the whys. So let's look at how. Um, just a few tips here that from, from what we did is one thing is you want to find your child's currency. Okay, we called it our child's currency. Our son's currency was trains. He loved trains. He would play with trains all the time. He loves trains to this day. <clears throat> and you use that currency and you leverage it 
for rewarding him for good things or maybe disciplining for bad things. Okay? Um, every child has a currency, and it's different with every child. Um, don't use what's really good for them, though. Don't use, like, healthy foods or exercise or gum in the youth group or something as a currency. Even though maybe they love youth group and they can't wait to come to church, don't use that as a currency. Leverage something else that that um, would be valuable to them, but is not excellent for them. Um, Maybe your child likes playing with Legos, maybe watching YouTube videos, maybe going outside. Whatever the values are, use those to leverage them and to train in a positive or a negative way. Currency. Tell them your expectations. Another point. It's tell them your expectations. Okay? This photo blew my mind because when this happened, my wife said, hey, we're going to give our daughter a birthday cake. She's turning one. I'm like, fine, yeah, make a cake, cut it up. We all have a piece. I know how it goes. She goes, no, they were going to sit them in a chair and they just get to eat it with their hands and stuff it in their face. I'm like, no, we don't, we don't do that. I had never done that. I'd never seen that. But in her, in her household, how many parents, how many of you do this? All right, all right, all right. So you're not alone. <laughs> a lot of people do it. All right, the expectation here was the child could eat with their hands, they could be messy, they could throw it on the floor, it didn't matter, it's okay. This is a microcosm of as your child grows up, uh, and they understand and you can communicate with them, speak to them expectations, tell them what you expect. Children will rise to their expectations if you communicate them and if they know what they are. I remember my mom, she would say something as simple like, Tim, we don't act that way after I did something wrong or made a mistake. We don't act that way. We don't act that way in this family. The expectation was there. Oh, wow, okay. Um, Speak expectations to your child. Uh, This guides your child's behavior, their development, and their overall well-being. Say things like, I expect you to always say please or thank you. Or we're going to this place and they're going to give us such and such. Say thank you. I expect you to treat others with kindness and respect. I expect you to always tell the truth, even when you're wrong. I expect you to always be honest with me. If something's bothering you or you made a mistake, it's important that you come and talk to me. I expect that you come and talk to me. I expect when we get to Grandma's house that you listen to her stories, that you sit with the rest of us in a chair. And if they're young, say, listen, we're going to do this for five minutes. And then you can get on the floor and play with whatever you brought or so, or pull up your uh, phone or something. But you could even put times on it, depending on their age. These are all age-appropriate expectations. I expect you to take some of your money that you earned and give it at church every week. Provide expectations for your children to come up to them. Same page parenting. You want to be on the same page with your spouse as you parent. And as you discipline, the Bible says that Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob. Okay, we're not going to look at that story, but problems, massive problems came out of that because those parents showed uh, favoritism and the parents were not on the same page. The boys played one against another. You need to talk through with your spouse what page you're on. What are you going to do when this happens? When are you going to do what that happens? Who's going to get up at, you know, and, and, and do these things? Communication is key. 
communicate with your spouse, and then you want to present a united front. Don't allow the kids to play one against another. <clears throat> Talking back and sassing. Here's a hill we, we would die on. And, and this is when they're really young. And if you do this young, when they get older, middle school, high school, you don't have to do it anymore. It's amazing. But when a child looks at you and vehemently denies or disregards what you say, you've got to address that. You've, you've got to meet them there. Okay, um, this illustration I saw in a ball game last night, and I don't know if it even fits well. But Przingis, Przingis, and he's on Boston. He's seven foot five. He's a basketball player for the NBA, Boston Celtics, and he felt like when he went to the basket last night that somebody hit him on the hand and fouled him, but the ref didn't call anything. And so everybody ran back down to the other end of the court, and Przingis turned around like this to the referee and went. And if you know NBA, you don't do that. You don't disrespect the referee. You can swear up a storm. You can, you know, say whatever you want. You can, whatever. But you don't disrespect the referee to his face. And this motion like that was disrespectful. And that referee immediately called a T. I think it's like this. Okay, and, and whistled it. He even whistled it too quick because he should have let the team go down and finish their fast break. But he stopped the game. And he, he, he knew that was wrong, but it was immediate. Because you don't disrespect the referee. You don't disrespect the parent. And that's up to you, mom and dad. When that happens, immediately you address it. Hey, what are you doing? I don't know if it needs a swat on the butt. I don't know what the scenario is. But that sassing and that talk back, that is so important. If you can get that where they respect you, then, then you can teach them anything. Like I said, this is just foundational. And the rest is going to give you peace. They're going to be joyful children for you. And they're going to grow up that way. Do this when they're young. It's much easier. Do you realize that disciplining your children, you're teaching them self-control? They've got to have self-control. They've got to have something in this. You are because the child has to control himself to obey you. Um, Self-control over their mouth, their actions, their thoughts. Self-control is biblical. You know, and we all need this. Daniel had self-control when he refused to eat the king's food. David had self-control when he refused to kill the king when he had an opportunity in the cave. Jesus had self-control when tempted by the devil in the desert. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. How do you learn or how do you teach self-control? It comes by practice. Practice by saying no or wait. Do this over and over and teach self-control this way. Maybe you need to say, no, you can't have that candy until you eat your meal. Or wait until you finish your homework until you play the switch. Do this over and over and teach self-control. Another virtue similar to self-control is delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. Proverbs thirteen nineteen says, A longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but fools detest turning from evil. A longing fulfilled. Putting off today what you want for a better time tomorrow in exchange for greater satisfaction. It's a challenge, but it's worth the effort. What are we talking about? We're talking about waiting to speak when mom and dad are talking. Teach your child, again, this is expectations. Bend down, say, listen, mama's talking right now. 
And I'm going to be done in just a minute. You count to ten, and then I'll talk to you. Teach the delayed gratification. Teach them to wait their turn for a game. Um, Do this at home. Um, Do this when you're at friends. Being patient after you ask for something. The child might ask for something, but then say, it's going to take me a minute to get that ready for you. Make them wait. Grocery store behavior. You know how that can be chaotic. Explain that you have a list and you're going to follow it or explain needs versus wants. Lay out the expectations, but teach them delayed gratification. We don't just get everything we want all the time. We're going to wait or we're going to say no sometimes. Your goal is to teach your children how to obey. Of course, they're going to be obedient, but teach them how to obey. And that's going to go a long way in making them obedient citizens and ultimately obedient to God, who is our ultimate uh, Lord. You're being watched. You're being watched. The Bible says, be imitators of me as I follow Christ. And there's a country singer, Rodney Atkins, who's, who penned a song probably 10, 12 years ago now called Watching You. And the lyrics just always uh, uh, melt me. Uh, he says, um, I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your little buckaroo. I want to be like you and eat all my food and grow as tall as you are. We got cowboy boots and camel pants. Yeah, we're just alike, hey, ain't we, Dad? I want to do everything you do, so I've been watching you. Children, they're watching you. They're listening to you. Randy just shared with me this morning that when his grandson is there, he's two years old, that when Grandpa goes somewhere, um, the, the boy will say, Grandpa, go? I go too. I go too. So he's literally following and going with him. What do you want your child to be like? Model that for them. You don't want your child to swear or have bad language? Don't swear. Don't have that language in front of them. You want your child to always tell the truth? You tell the truth. You want your child to be forgiving? You forgive. In fact, you can, this is the challenge. You could, you could say to your child that you're sorry sometimes if you make a mistake and they know that. It's okay. In fact, it's a teaching moment to say you're sorry, and ask them to forgive. And then next time you have to say, tell tell little uh, Tammy that you're sorry or whatever. They'll know if they've seen you do that already, and they can do it. You want your child to be kind, then you be kind to them. This picture here is, uh, I don't know if you can see the shoes, but those are like size 12, size 10 shoes. And little Scotty has put on daddy's shoes and he's walking around and that's a symbol you probably had that happen in your house that the kids want to be like you and they put in the shoes and walk around all right just to wrap up there's four spiritual habits you can teach your children one read the bible psalm 119 11 says i've hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you you want your children to be in the word um, this is the Bible that I used to read to my kids. This was the first one we started with. It's kind of in comic book form. And uh, when my son preached, actually, he was about, I don't know, 10 years old. Uh, he used this Bible to preach from here when we had a children's Sunday. I don't know if many of you remember that. But every night we would read from this Bible. 
the Action Bible. And um, it's the instruction book. The Bible, it says that the word of God, it's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You want the Bible in your kids' hearts. Pray with them. First Thessalonians 5.17 simply says pray continually. And I was always baffled by that. Like pray continually. I can't do that. I can't talk all the time. I can't. But then I found a better illustration is that when I'm with my wife, there's an open line of communication with us all the time. And even though we might not be talking, there's any time she could say something to me or I could say something to her because we're aware of each other. We're in each other's presence. And if you could look at God that way and say, God, you're always listening to me or is always speaking to you. That's what I think that means by pray continually. Always be ready to talk to God. And pray in front of your children. Pray with your children and ask them to pray as well. Give. Proverbs 11.25 A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Teach your children to be givers. It's more blessed to receive. Show them how it is by modeling it. Give their time their money, their talents. We used to do a budget. We do a budget still. But when we did our budget when the kids were young, they'd say, what are you doing? we do it at the kitchen table. And we'd explain, well, you know, this is where our money goes that we make. And 10% goes to the church. And then this goes to pay this bill. And this goes for that bill. And so on and so forth. Finally, serve. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, model it and have them do it with you. Serve as a family. I don't know how many times we did that. Served as a family. One thing I really enjoy doing, and we, even as a couple, my wife and I do this to this day, is we would pick an older person and we'd try to love on them. We'd go and visit them. Um, and one of those ladies was Ardina Ship, and she's no longer with us. Um, when she lived, she said, Tim, I'm going to have you do my funeral one day. I'm going to have you do my funeral. And it's like having kids or getting married. I'm like, ah, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. I did her funeral like a year, a year and a half ago. But we loved Ardina. She lived down the road from us, and we'd walk over to her apartment. We, we would take her treats. We would, we would uh, I remember one Christmas, my kids hated me for this, but we went and we um, caroled outside her apartment. We sang like two carols before we realized that she wasn't in there. And that's really why the kids hated that. Like, Dad, she, she wasn't even there. One April Fool's, we made um, fake uh, uh, pot pie. You can get different candies and make them in the shapes of the peas and the corn and whatnot. So we made fake pot pies and we took it to Ardina and we said, here, we made some food for you. So we did fun things like that. She had a wonderful sense of humor and a cool car as well, if you knew her. Um, I'm going to pray now. And uh, if if you want prayer, uh, there should be someone here up here at the cross, a couple that will pray with you or might me and my wife would would definitely pray for you and your family, your children. Um, you can do that after we sing. But I'm going to invite the worship team to come back here and invite you to stand with me. And let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we know this is probably the hardest job you'll ask us to do is to be a parent. But it's so rewarding, Lord. So rewarding. And we know that you are a father. And... Uh, 
Jesus as your son, Mary and Joseph were their parents and his parents. And Lord, we just look at his life and we want to be more like Jesus in every way. We want to teach this to our children, Father. Help us have a good foundation for teaching our children. Help them be obedient, to be loving, to be kind, and to obey you, listen to you and your word, Father. Help them to grow up and be wonderful adults. I pray for every parent here today as they go through daily, hourly struggles, Father. I know it's not easy. Through the night, through the days, through the weeks, they can get long, Father. Help them see the rewards on the other side of being a good parent, being present, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name.